How are you going, Chris? Lovely to see you on the uh, the Zoom app. <laughs> you're, you're looking fantastic, mate. Well, you're looking fantastic too. I mean, uh, w- wait until we hear your story. That is a crazy story. Look forward to sharing it with you uh, and yep. uh, just telling you a little bit about this most astonishing journey. We've known each other, what is it now, 15 years. And I, I was thinking about with everything that's happening right now, that uh, you're probably one of those I've got a lot to complain about and, and, and blame systems or others about. And, and yet you're totally the opposite. You're acting as if like nothing is happening to you. And so I, I was thinking I need to have someone like you to probably now give us, all of us, a, a, a message that is full of meaning, that we've got nothing to complain about, that uh, uh, if someone is fighting what you're fighting right now, is still got a smile early in the morning, well, we've got no excuse. So why don't we start from the beginning? Uh, do you want to share with us a little bit about your story? Very briefly, my background is in managing radio broadcasting stations, yep. and uh, that was my uh, initial career path. Uh, when we sold the last of our network stations, um, I decided I I needed to identify the next big opportunity. And that was back in 1994 when I identified information security, data encryption as being a great opportunity. And it was. Um, I uh, became known as uh, something of an expert in that area. And that's probably where I made a significant mistake. I was uh, doing keynote speeches in Australia and around the world, and people were very excited to hear from me as a futurist and a thought leader, but the difficulty was that that was no good for business. I was talking about things that were yet to come rather than talking about the opportunities in the here and now. So I changed my uh, messaging approach and talked about what we can do immediately to keep information safe and secure. And that was a good move. And uh, business, which was reasonably good to start with, got a lot better because sometimes you can be a very entertaining speaker and presenter, but not necessarily about things that are going to generate revenue right now right so that was that was a shift fairly early on with the it security enterprise Uh, since then that business grew significantly Uh, the clients include major government departments and agencies and uh, we think that we're doing a pretty good job our offices are in the norwest business park in sydney and also in Barton in Canberra. Right. The business concentrated so much on Canberra because of all the opportunities in government that uh, I found myself spending a lot more time in Canberra. Yes. And uh, so I used to go along to Monica Oval from time to time to watch uh, GWS play various other teams in uh, in the footy league. I was at a footy game with a friend and uh, he and I had really good seats 
and uh, that didn't make much difference. I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't follow the game. Uh, I didn't know who was winning, who was losing. Didn't know that GWS had won until the GWS club song came on at the very end. I was absolutely disoriented. And this was a very strange situation to be in because, as you know, I'm typically a fairly sharp sort of guy. Anyway, um, to cut the long story, which it is short, I was rushed to uh, Canberra Hospital. Uh, scan was done. They identified a, uh, a brain tumour. The brain tumours come in four categories. And uh, unfortunately, this was category four, which is the worst to get. And so uh, I was then uh, medevaced out of Canberra to North Shore Private Hospital in Sydney. And uh, a team of brilliant surgeons led by uh, a really cool guy. Uh, his, uh, his name is Ray Cook. And uh, they were able to remove the tumour. However, there were more challenges, uh, mainly because some tumours, this one in particular, grows long threads or roots that go down all through the brain. And so the only way to deal with it after the surgery is to have radiation therapy, um, is to have uh, chemotherapy, and, uh, and also uh, there's some other uh, therapies that are attached that I have had to go through as well. So um, I've been in hospital since May last year. So 10 months is a long time. And uh, you might say, am I going crazy? Well, no, because I'm quite philosophical about it. Um, it was going to happen, it did happen. And now it's a matter of managing it as best that I can. So uh, that's where we're up to at the moment. My treatment continues. I have um, therapy every second Wednesday when I'm hooked on the, uh, the chemo pump. And uh, I get 600 mils of Avastin pumped into me. Uh, how do I feel? Fantastic. <laughs> You're going a bit fast on me. So let, let's, let's go back to the beginning when you heard about the brain tumor. Yes. What, what, were, what was your state of mind? I mean, what are you feeling? I mean, you, you, you build an entire, you're building an entire uh, business that can now sustain you and allow you to have a pretty good lifestyle. And I know yes. you travel quite a fair amount all over the place and, 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 yes. and, to, and, yes. and do some talk. And suddenly now you're hit with this. I mean, what's the first thing that goes? Well, the first thing is, is uh, I suppose, gratitude and relief that I have a good income stream because the surgery alone costs over 100000 to have them uh, take the top off the head, remove the tumour, and put the top back on your head again. Uh, for many Australians, that would be beyond their reach. So it's good to uh, work hard, have a successful career, and ensure that you have the highest possible health insurance cover that you can afford. You can't underestimate the importance of good health, or if you are in good health, good health insurance. 
so that at least you don't have all the stress of the money side and you can get on with finding a way to deal with the health problem. Okay. So I've remained uh, very positive throughout. Uh, Professor Helen Wheeler, who is the head of the oncology team looking after me, at my last appointment when I turned up, she said, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be dead. <laughs> I, said, I said, forget about your statistics, Helen. I'm here for my scheduled appointment. So um, there are a lot of medications involved in this. I'm on about uh, 12 or 14 tablets every day. I have a, uh, a personal rehab coach who's a lovely guy. Uh, he's very talented at what he does. Unfortunately, I won't be seeing him until after the, uh, the coronavirus yep. challenges have passed. Yep. And that in itself is a special challenge, Thomas. Yes, we, we, we like to talk about that. We like to talk about that. So you had, you had no anger? You, you just had gratitude? You had no anger? No point. Wasted energy. Okay. Use positive energy to solve a problem. Okay, but they, it's not tumor level one. They said tumor level four. Correct. Right? So, so level four means there's a very short chance and small chance and very short lifespan attached to it. Correct. Uh, a matter of months. Not <laughs> a matter of months. Well, <laughs> they're probably redefining the statistics now. <laughs> Maybe their the modeling is not working. <laughs> and, uh, well, the statistics refer to people who have died. I'm still alive, so <laughs> I can plan my life path as best I can under the circumstances. And we all need to do this. If we are to rely on statistics, we will end up being a statistic. Right. So I'm me, here I am, speaking to you from a hospital bed at the moment yep. and making the best of each day. Okay, so what, what about fears? Did you have any moment of fears? No, no, I think that's army training. Don't have any fear of death at all. Wow. But you're, you're religious? No, I'm not religious. Right. Does that help? No. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> old colleague of mine who was um, probably one of the best radio station program directors I ever met is a very, very strict and devoted Roman Catholic. And uh, I got lots of messages from friends in the broadcasting game early on after I'd just had the surgery. But um, in the case of this one guy who is very well known, I won't name him because he's fairly much a household name, but uh, he sent me a message which was very well intentioned, and that is, Jesus has his arms open, ready to embrace you. Well, I'm not ready to embrace anyone on the other side at this point of time. Right. I'm just getting on and uh, living the best life I can with the cards that have been dealt to me. And as you would know, uh, Thomas, I've always been a healthy, high-energy guy. So it did come as a shock when uh, I learned that uh, 
I had a category four tumor. But some people would say that is that it was unfair. You know, I've got my but life to enjoy now. I was uh, for a period in a cancer ward at Royal North Shore Hospital with uh, four or five other guys. I say four or five because some of them churned through their beds and went elsewhere. But it was interesting because I'd been in a private room and till then, but for this particular stage of treatment, I needed to be in a group. I have to say that the difference in attitude across the group was astonishing. There was one other guy who uh, functioned emotionally as I do. There were two guys who uh, had given up. They were just ready to die. And then there was another guy still making up his mind which group he was going to be in. And uh, which group he ended up in, I don't know, because I was only in that ward for a few days and then I moved on. Okay. So... Obviously, there's a lot of people who wrote to you, a lot of people called you. What is it that you didn't want from people then? What I find is, is that there are basically two broad types of people. There are fatalists who just go with the flow, whatever happens to them, well, bad luck give in. And then there are those like me who uh, believe that we have life by choice not by chance. Now, things happen to us yeah. that we don't choose, but we, uh, we can choose paths to follow to manage that situation and uh, keep the vibes positive. Yeah. Okay. So would you say that you disconnected anyone who was going to be a bit of a fatalistic kind of approach yeah, to you? I disconnected with the guy who said Jesus had his arms open for me. I just wanted friends to uh, keep in touch, say good day, good day, share what they were doing. Next, please. Okay. Now, could you share with us some of the uh, most challenging moments in the last 10 months? Yes. I think that some of the challenging moments were at the end of the radiation therapy when uh, these medical technicians uh, had to... Uh, so, sorry, it hasn't worked. So the first round of chemo did not work and uh, 15 rounds of radiation therapy didn't oh make goodness. any difference at all. So uh, I've been uh, subjected to uh, very heavy doses of radiation. 15? I thought that we might have uh, some positive progress, but in fact going through all of that achieved nothing. Now, I didn't feel um, hopeless. I didn't feel sad, but I did feel somewhat frustrated that we hadn't achieved even a really small amount of progress. Right, right. So now um, I had an MRI just recently to compare with an MRI last October and I was absolutely thrilled to see that the inflammation had, in fact, decreased in my brain. 
So uh, uh, the, the, it's a great photograph because Helen Wheeler had the before photograph from last October and then the after photograph from uh, early this year and uh, same section of the brain and you could actually see the minor shrinkage but the shrinkage that has taken place. Right. Wow, that's an amazing thing. So, so are they now rewriting their books? You're, they they rewriting your your tumor level as well? No, they're not. It's, <laughs> it's still category four, and uh, it will uh, it will kill me. But when? Well, who knows? It's not going to be fate, that's for sure, because I'm uh, working very hard to uh, avoid being in that fatalistic position. So would I say now every single uh, things that you do in a day now is mainly geared towards that battle? No. Okay. No, I still enjoy uh, watching Netflix. Right. I do enjoy going out on a 2.5K walk. And uh, because I'm a fall risk, because this is the uh, section of my brain that has been uh, affected, Uh, it's really good because the uh, personal trainer comes with me mm-hmm. as company. Now, that has been stopped. I've uh, been told that I'm isolated to my room and I can't go and walk anywhere at the moment before, because of the coronavirus. But uh, the good news is I'm a great reader, as you know, and so I enjoy that. I love music, classical music and jazz. and uh, I have a jazz channel that I listen to and I would think that uh, any of your colleagues who want something on softly in the background at work, uh, the jazz groove, it's commercial free, it's continuous smooth jazz, comes out of San Francisco. I listen to it on my, uh, my Bose speaker, fabulous company. And I've got to say, when you're in isolation, It's a great opportunity to enjoy the music you love without disruption. Yes, I understand that. So, so what's so your... No, I'm doing other things. Yes. And what I haven't told you is that I'm also working three hours a day because I'm able to use uh, GoToMeeting, which is a similar meeting solution as Zoom. Not as cheap as Zoom, It's got a lot of very, very uh, attractive features which allows me to continue to uh, engage with uh, Dion, my offsider, and with uh, our resellers. Right. Wow. That, that's amazing to keep yourself still busy. Now, let's talk about it now. So what's your take on the coronavirus? Because it's now affecting your life too. You can't go for a walk anymore? I can't go and do my 2.5Ks a day. That's right. Yeah. Look, we've had, uh, we've had a couple of pandemics in the past. Immediately after the First World War, we had the Spanish flu. We learned a lot from that. And what we've learned a lot is about people. People in 1918-1919 were a lot more patient and compliant than people today. Uh, I see examples in news articles 
of people who are deliberately not following any of the uh, rules that have been laid out by the government, which had only been laid out for our safety, not for our convenience. Yep. But there are a lot of people these days who uh, have what I call naive arrogance. And they're the people who are ignoring advice. They think they can do anything they like and it won't happen to them. The difficulty, of course, is is that as long as there are people around like that, it will continue to spread. Uh, it would be very good if uh, the ABC or... Uh, SBS made a, uh, a documentary and broadcast it now about the Spanish flu. So that's our situation here. The only other point that I'd make is that a lot of people don't know how to amuse themselves. They've got to be entertained, which means they've got to be in a room or in a home or out visiting with other people. They don't survive very well in isolation because they're not positively self-contained. And once again, this is all about attitude. It will enable people, particularly like me, where I'm 72 years old and my uh, ability to resist bugs has been reduced dramatically. I'm in the highest risk category. So I've got to be sensible. So here I am at the moment in the most comfortable hospital bed I've ever encountered. Uh, I wouldn't mind taking it home with me. <laughs> it's got so many controls on it. I have feet up, feet down, head up, head down. You know, sometimes you've got to be grateful for what you've got. And I've got the most comfortable bed in New South Wales. Maybe but that's what you need. And it's a king single as well. Wow, maybe that's what we need. So, so I'm uh, I'm making the most of what I've got at the moment. Yeah. So <clears throat> let's get more onto that people's behaviour. So, if the this is the age of impatience, people are not patient, and uh, that can lead them into all kinds of uh, problems. So uh, I've reached the stage where I'm saying. Got to manage myself around my high risk group. What do I need to do? But the government first measure was about self isolation. Correct. They, they must have known that wouldn't work. It did in 1918. Uh, yeah. In 1918, there was no computers, there was no Facebook, no, <laughs> no need for uh, notoriety and coming up with ideas. That's uh, right. However, if you had sought some advice from uh, King Henry VIII, what was the first thing he did when uh, there was um, another emergence of the Black Death in England? Old Henry hid himself away, didn't go chasing the girlies. <laughs> he self-isolated. Right. So knew back then that... Uh, these things, whatever they were at that time, germs, let's call them, could be passed from one person to another. Self-isolate and you'll be fine. Right. So it's not a new idea, but it's a proven idea that works 
and uh, all that's happening is is that uh, we are applying those same principles. Yeah, well, that, that's where the the term quarantine comes from, isn't it? It's an old Latin word that says stay away for 40 days, isn't it? Well, I didn't know it was 40 days, but I knew it was stay away. Yeah, no, no it's it's 40. So it's it's the word yeah. actually comes from 40. But uh, with this thing here, they're talking about way more than 40, probably. But I, 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 just, I just don't know. If we know, if we knew as a government that people have got naive arrogance, that if we knew that people have got uh, a sensitivity to being easily depressed, frustrated, or even lost, yes. should, should we have started the process differently rather than just... Tell people within 36 hours or two days, the restaurants are going to close and this business is going to close and, and mm. having people queuing up. I mean, to me, uh, I, I don't want to go back there, but if, if we know that people have got naive arrogance and a, a lot of fear and, and that sensitivity, should we have started maybe at today's level, which is some kind of guarantee of subsidy of pay and income to employees? Look, it's a very interesting question and it's a challenging question because I'm a landlord and you've probably seen the latest development now yeah. that um, you cannot evict tenants and that's a six-month moratorium period. Now, uh, we have a tenant in Canberra who is way behind in the rent, is not prepared to allow our insurance assessor to enter the property, despite the fact that in the second bedroom, the carpet is damaged beyond repair. So um, it's an interesting challenge where there's an unsatisfactory tenant who hasn't paid rent and we can't do anything about it. There doesn't seem to be a fallback or protection. It can't be a one-way solution. There's got to be a balance some, somewhere and perhaps that balance is there's a moratorium on the rent but the unpaid rent has to be then paid on a catch-up basis over a 12-month period where uh, six months of uh, rent is paid back over a year or even more, two years. Yeah. But that Everybody comes out of this fair and square. Yeah. But I don't think that they talked about the uh, um, nullifying of rent. Uh, I think that they just talked about the non-eviction for six months, right? Which probably means that you will get that money back because on the other hand too, they're coming up with the fact that banks now will not, I mean, that wouldn't help you if you own the uh, property outright, but yes. the stoppage of interest uh, it's not bad. No, you're quite right. And that is a, uh, it's another issue which seems to me to be a good idea, but is yet to become a good plan. Yeah. Beside that, um, what about the way that the government is going with the uh, complete lockdown that, the, um, that a lot of people are screaming for? I don't think we can function as a modern society with a complete lockdown. I think people need to have access to food. 
they need to have access to some essential services. And yesterday, I was asked my opinion on what the arrangements should be or could be for a plumber, an electrician, or another essential tradie that you need in your home because your, uh, your bathroom is currently flooding. Uh, typically, you can pick up a phone and you can call and a plumber is available 24-7. Now, I haven't seen any clarity about what is allowed for uh, tradies to come to your home. So does a complete lockdown mean nobody comes, including a sparky or a plumber? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> that that um, may actually they may actually put a lot of people on level four in terms of death too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Thomas, from my perspective, I've got a uh, an absolute clear and realistic view, in my opinion, of what I need to do and how I need to do it, and uh, will quietly move forward day by day with me at the end of the day saying, yep, I did a good job working on my recovery project today. Yeah, yeah. All right, now the government, the federal government especially has done, to me, not, not too bad of a job. The, maybe the state could have coordinated a little bit better. But I'm going to ask you now, you have been a general manager of 2CH. You've been a radio presenter all your life. So may I ask you now, what do you think about the media coverage of this epidemic? I think that there is a demand for news. There's not a lot of changing news other than how many more people have contracted uh, coronavirus and how many deaths there have been. But other than that, I'm finding that there is, to some extent, depending on your source of news, information overload. I think that a lot of people would look at it and think, oh, yeah, more corona stuff. Uh, my view is there needs to be a balance, and that might mean, in fact, less news coverage than we've got now. My concern is, is that people may become irritated or bored with the, uh, the leading stories every day when you uh, log on to your uh, computer or mobile device, you go to a news source, and it's almost overwhelming. So that my view is, this could be a less is more. Could be if there's one or two really strong stories, that might be enough right. each day. Do you know the doctors, they follow a, a, the law of Hippocrates. Uh, do, do, does a major have one kind of law? Because it seems to be running on uh, winning ratings for the moment. I think that uh, it's always going to be winning ratings because the free-to-air media is in huge economic trouble. Did you see the share price of uh, Southern Cross Media has just collapsed? In fact, they've got a hold on uh, trading at the moment. Wow. Uh, they've fired a huge number of their staff. And so all these organisations are trying to do anything they can to uh, boost their ratings. Okay. The, the ratings are what they live or die by. 
Okay. Now, I, I want to end by asking a few questions um, a bit more philosophical because I know that is probably something that you can really teach us. If I was to ask you, what, what is the meaning of life now for Chris Jocelyn? What, what is it? Uh, the meaning of life for me at the moment uh, is obviously managing my health. Nothing is more of greater value than your health. doesn't matter how much money you've got in the bank. If your health deteriorates, what's the use of money in the bank? That's the first point. So health I'd place at a very high priority, number one. Number two, a sense of humour and a sense of the ridiculous. I think that one of the things that uh, is really, really uh, good for me is that I do laugh a lot, still laugh a lot. I had a very funny thing happen because this place has got a... Uh, a large number of dementia patients or people with brain injury that has left them in a, uh, in a state of uh, early onset dementia. Right. Some funny things do happen. A, a lovely old gentleman approached me last week and asked me if I could help him find his pet, which had escaped. And he was very, very worried about this. And I said, and what is your pet? He said, I've got a pet elephant. I said, what can you tell me about your pet? Well, he's still juvenile, so he's not quite as tall as I am, and he's got big ears. <laughs> well, I thought that covered it off pretty well. And uh, there was another patient here who was mocking the guy, and I said, mate, the oh, elephant yeah. is his reality. Just go along with it. I have said that I'll keep a lookout for your elephant. Wow. And I did think it was funny. But <laughs> you not, still haven't found it? No, mate, I haven't. And in fact, uh, yesterday afternoon, I gave up searching. Because <laughs> far, so far you can search when you're locked in. No visitors allowed. I was uh, given a fob which allowed me to open the front door and go out for a walk. My fob has been cancelled. So... Uh, it's a little bit like a prison at the moment. Yes. And uh, the patients here range from uh, my age or a bit younger. Anyone who's had any brain trauma, you'll find here. So yes. some are younger, but a lot are old enough to be my parents. They're in their 90s. And uh, clearly, they're in a very, very vulnerable age group. So... Uh, I have to say, care genuinely about others. Okay. Um, <clears throat> there's, a, there's an old guy in here. I won't give you his name. I'll, I'll respect his privacy. He's a retired Catholic priest who is being treated for uh, post-trauma stress recovery. He was uh, in a war zone. The Catholic Church offered to pull him out, but he had so many people in his parish in this war zone that he decided to stay on. Wow. He's now in a dreadful state. He's seen things that will go beyond the imaginable. And uh, he is particularly interested in military history, 
Now, if I run into him and he says, can I, can I sit down with you and we talk some military history? I think it's fabulous. And to me, that's another of my high priorities. If you can you see someone who has a genuine need, reach out and offer to help without imposing yourself upon you. Okay. So that's another important one. Another one, again, is to maintain a very balanced attitude to anything going along. I'm somewhat dismayed with some of my old radio broadcasting buddies who are right-wing of Alan Jones or so far left-wing, uh, they wouldn't even get a job at uh, 2KY. Right. So my view is be careful not to rush to judgment before you've got a balanced look at all the facts. Although um, Donald Trump is one of the greatest imbeciles you could ever meet, uh, I avoid getting involved in these Trumpian debates. Right. Keep my views to myself. And here you is you keeping your views to yourself. Is that possible? It is on matters <laughs> of, uh, of politics and the like. Um, you may not remember, but many years ago, I was offered a safe seat in the New South Wales State Parliament when Nick Greiner was the Premier and uh, the Nationals approached me. And I said, well, I'm not a member of your party. I'm not a member of any political party. And uh, one of their... Uh, one of their guys who uh, is responsible for winning as many seats as possible yep. thought that I might uh, be of some assistance to the, uh, the Nationals. Uh, it didn't take me too long to think about it. And uh, in the end, uh, I graciously declined. And uh, they approached Robert Webster. And Robert and Libby discussed it and... Uh, he was elected and became Minister for Local Government. Right. Nice guy. Comes from Crookwell, which is uh, due west of Goulburn, up in potato-growing country. Your mind is still so sharp, Chris. What's going on? Uh, brain surgery, mate. <laughs> 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 That's a good one. I <laughs> must have implanted something of value. <laughs> So balanced attitude in, with life issues is your number three. Yes, Anything else that you would put into the, the meaning of life? Make decisions carefully because whatever decision you make, once it's made, you've got to live with it. So this doesn't mean that there needs to be some long procrastination, but rather you need to just think of the pluses and the minuses, decide on balance, which is the better decision to make and then make it. Such as when I had to tell Ron Brewer of the uh, Nationals that uh, New South Wales state government politics was not for me. Right. So let, let's move that from, from your meaning of life now that you're facing your, your uh, biggest battle to a, a small business owner now. What, what would be the advice that you'd give him today it's absolutely critical that you have a plan b 
and you have a succession plan which can be activated almost immediately if necessary. What say, in my case, it was not cancer, where I've had plenty of time to do a number of things, such as rewrite my will and so on. Say if I'd uh, stepped out into George Street and been run down by one of those beautiful new trams, I'd be dead immediately. At, at that moment, what is the plan for business continuity, client service, etc.? In other words, how does business viability continue with me out of the picture? So I would say that every small business person, every Wiseberry franchisee must have a plan B. It's not one of those things, look, I might get round to it eventually. It's a, it's a D-I-N, DIN, do it now. Okay. And have it in writing so that a spouse, a business partner or others know exactly what your business continuity plan is. Right. What if, what if I was an employee? What would be your advice? If I were an employee, I'd make sure that all of my remuneration, holidays, insurance, are all up to date so that if I'm out of the picture, everything just flows on normally. In today's market, I mean, there's a lot of obviously um, anxious business owners, but there's a lot of employees who have lost their, um, their soul, if you will. You know, when, when there's a lot yep. of people who've queued up at Centrelink that never had the intention of doing this. That's there's, right. there's a lot of employees who actually also are university graduates. And you, you think about this, these guys put five, four, five years of their life into studying a thing. And now they, they just queue up in, at Centrelink. What would yeah. you advise them? Because they, well, they, they're probably looking for a little bit of comfort. It's a, it's, a, it's a very good time, even though it's a bad time, but it's a good time to review what is absolutely necessary in your life and what is not. A lot of people waste money. I'm not suggesting people become frugal long-term, but you need to decide what is essential in your life, what is nice to have in your life, and what is unnecessary in your life. You'll find that a lot of people are spending a lot of money on unnecessaries. Okay. Um, but, but what if, I mean, what if they say, uh, I mean, obviously Netflix and Foxtel is going to become more and more necessaries now yes, than they it was are. before. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, um, the other thing is, and I, I don't use patient transport from my bed here at Hunters Hill across to Royal North Shore Hospitals. Did it once got the bill, thought I'd have to go straight on to life support. <laughs> uh, $1,100 to take me a few Ks. I can go those same Ks with Uber Comfort for $31. Yes. Now, what's the risk profile of Uber? Well, pay the extra, I say, and go with Uber Comfort 
which will be a, la a large vehicle. You sit in the rear seat, diagonally opposite to the driver. Uh, wear a face mask for no other reason than to give the driver comfort. Because remember, a face mask will, will help stop you giving droplets to other people. Won't save you from other people, but it will give them comfort because it shows that if you do have COVID-19, you're keeping it as contained as possible. Yeah, I mean, that's probably something that they should have asked people to do when they go to Woolies or Coles because they, yeah. they're passing each other with less than 1.5 metres, mate. They, yes. should, they all should have gloves. They all should have face masks, wouldn't they? Exactly, exactly. So I think the face mask messaging has been extremely mixed from, no, you don't need a face mask, that they're overrated, to others who say, please put this face mask on when you leave your room. Now, there are different face masks. I've become an authority on face masks. <laughs> <laughs> There's face masks that you can get at Bunnings, which when you're sanding, it's to stop fine sanding of timber getting into your nostrils, which is, uh, which is very important because a lot of people don't know that Tasmanian blackwood can be carcinogenic for lung cancer. The fine, the fine dust from uh, Blackwood. Now that's one point. So for, let's leave Bunnings out of it and look at the others that are available. I had thought that they were all the same, but there are some that have got some pale blue through the paper and others that have got lavender colour through the paper. Uh, the ones with lavender are fine for me. The ones with the pale blue itch me so much. They drive me crazy. And the, the problem in this place is that the item that is dispensed to patients is that bloody pale blue. <laughs> Why do they do this to us? What is this? Is this a, is this a test? of emotional strength and character. <laughs> I'd like to have a lavender one, please. Mm. No problem. Because it appears that the paper can be impregnated with different chemicals. Right, right, right. Okay. So there you go, mate. So that's the end of today's lesson on face masks. <laughs> what, what, I mean, I know that you have grandchildren. So what would be the advice that you'd give them taking into account now your life journey, your circumstance, but also the time they are living in right now where they are learning so much about isolation, even the twins after a week and a half of really like studying from home and not going out. We've seen them going crazy at nine o'clock at night and running around outside, you know? So the, <laughs> what would be yeah. your advice? Exactly. Well, of course, the twins have got something going for them. Not allowed to have meetings of more than two people. So they can ban you and Veronique straight away as saying you are exceeding the government standard. Go away and let us run around. <laughs> the first point. So they've beaten you on that. The second one is, is that some children do adapt better than others. Uh, Oscar and Ollie, the two grandsons in New York, uh, Ollie is missing his school friends, but he's coming into his third week 
of uh, homeschooling, loves the novelty of his teachers and classes coming up on his laptop, but the problem of missing his friends? Well, Kelly has uh, quietly mentored him on the importance of protecting friends and protecting himself by all of them staying alone at their homes. Uh, the uh, Governor Cumio... Andrew Cuomo, yep. He's doing a fantastic job. Yes. Uh, he is furious with Trump and has gone public on stating that Trump is, in fact, responsible for um, huge errors of judgment by a lot of, uh, a lot of punters who reckon whatever the president says, that's what we do. Right. So there's uh, this, this huge spread in New York. And so it's good that there are people, usually well-educated and uh, intelligent, who will listen to Cumio and mm. follow the directions. So the, the, the problem with people getting cabin fever and uh, having enormous problems with uh, self-isolating is real, but people need to find ways of uh, dealing with it. And some of them are getting very busy at home. And uh, that includes deciding which room in the house am I going to totally reorganise, tidy up, get rid of stuff, simplify. Like that uh, Japanese woman who uh, has the program, I think, is it on Netflix? And she says, you've got to say to your possessions that you don't use much, if at all. Thank you for being my <laughs> possession. But uh, I have no longer any need of our relationship. Goodbye. And uh, she's hilarious. You know she doesn't speak any English. No, no, I haven't heard of that one. It's all got to be done with subtitles. Wow. She is, um, she's very funny. Very funny. Thousands of Australians are following her recipe. They say, they say that um, huge events um, usually shape an entire uh, generation. So this yes. generation will be growing what? A bit more like self-isolating themselves, doing things uh, with health probably in mind and, and, and very okay with doing things by themselves. Smart people who are risk averse, yes. Um, the idiots, uh, not so. The <laughs> idiots will continue being idiots. There are always village idiots. I don't know whether you saw the photograph of the village idiots uh, at, sitting in a park in St Kilda, about 15 young people huddled, huddled together in a group, getting a bit of sun on their shoulders. And there's one of these big, uh, remove you know the movable signs you can you know councils can rent them for five hundred dollars a day that is telling people to uh, remain isolated it's fabulous because it's all in the same photo mm. but the village idiots <clears throat> as you say probably seems to be the, about the same kind of category of age so is um, there something wrong that I have been doing to have the, those children in that kind of age group? 
if you were their parent, yes. But mm. you might find that village idiots beget village idiots and their parents <laughs> could be equally stupid. <laughs> so you might find that there's um, learned behaviours there. Yes. Okay. So for the moment, find things that interest you, uh, whether it's online or it's in, in the home or whatever, and uh, plan your day as a day at home and enjoy your day as a day at home. Right. I'll tell you what it would be a very good day for if you're at home alone. Yes. Plan business continuity. Mm. What we were mm-hmm. talking about earlier. Yep. Put, it, put it to good use. What if you, as the principal of your business, were to suffer a serious illness or you were to die, what would you like of your business? Would you like it to shut down or would you like it to continue as a legacy of earlier hard work? Yeah. It's a good question to ask. Yeah. Now, if you'd like it to continue, have a think about what you might need to do. Think about uh, what you might need to do with your lawyer. Think what you might need to do with those staff who are shining. Think what to do if one of them were promoted into the general manager's role and how others may react, which may not be uh, a nice reaction. Mm -hmm. Uh, All of these things, what would you do? Yeah, there's some people you need to... uh, dreadful thing to say at the moment with the uh, with the problems we've got with businesses closing down but are there any staff who need to give them the two minute farewell yeah yep I mean, don't have a long conversation but have a meaningful conversation just say that uh, given careful thought uh, we're not right for each other mm-hmm. and uh, we need to part our ways I mean, even, even for those employees, I think that you could be doing them a favor because, you know, there's a lot of people who get uh, trapped into uh, having to work to pay their bills. And right now they have an opportunity to do some learning online, to, to yeah. upskill themselves or reskill themselves into maybe uh, another different path or maybe their dream that they have given up because they had mm. to live to pay bills, you see. So I think it's even a great opportunity for those guys. I agree. I agree. At the end of the day, um, there are always opportunities, no matter what our circumstances. And it's just a matter of deciding whether we're going to embrace them or whether we're going to ignore them. Yes. Have I taken too much of your time, Chris? Because you need to rest. I'm I'm, I'm not going out for a two and a half K walk. (laughs) (laughs) In lieu of that, I think I should continue to use the time productively. Yes. And... uh, Go and get a few things done. When I'm uh, well enough, uh, I would happily work 18 hours a week. And that's another aspect of this forward planning. Your franchisees, if you were to reduce your hours to 18 hours a week, say, how would your business flourish and what would you need to do to ensure it so? Mm, That's a good question. Very good question. Because you see, if you've got some franchisees who are, uh, well, they're above the age of 65, 
there are a lot of exciting opportunities if you work for 20 hours a week or less. So 18 hours is a pretty good number. You can go and get a seniors card, ride all day on the trains for $2.50, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Wow. So, uh, you know, these things, these things are all part and parcel of replanning your life. I know that I will not return to work full time. Yes. That just will not happen. And uh, we've already, we have activated the 18 hours a week. If I need to reduce that to 15 or 12, uh, we've already thought through how we'll cover that off. Are you talking about like, your, your biggest regret now? Am I hearing an, some kind of uh, nuance of biggest regret about having worked too hard? No, not at all. Okay. Uh, in <laughs> fact, when I look back on life, um, I've basically um, dealt with any unfinished business, so emotional or practical. So I'm in a very good place at the moment. Mate, you don't know how much I, I really appreciate you sharing your journey. Look, we've ran on a bit today, but it's been good fun, mate. And may I say, you are looking fantastic. I'll repeat that again. <laughs> Thank you so much for your compliment. Listen, I'm sure we're going to talk again because there's, there's going to be things that I'm going to be thinking of and maybe I want to ask you because, you know, they say usually, and, and, and this is not being negative, but when when someone passed on it's like a huge library has been burnt and i think that there's a huge legacy that is that i don't want to leave untapped if i can if by asking people who go through the journey that you're going through right now to share with us so that we can learn rather than having to repeat the same mistake so for the, as a last piece of advice today what would you say i would say that with your life, have a plan B. Have it written down and ensure that you revisit it from time to time because plan B will change as circumstances change. But I do get very concerned about colleagues of mine who don't have any plan. And my plan's going to change too. But at this moment, if I were to die in my sleep tonight, I know that the business is in great hands with the guys and uh, all will be well and the clients will be well looked after. Chris, thank you so much for today. And um, you do the best you can. You hear me? All right. Yep, absolutely, mate. And all I right. have been. Talk to you soon. Cheers, All mate. All the best, mate. All the Bye, best. mate.